0: Alternative interests. My name is Kat,
1: and I am Crystal, and I get (laughs) to—I know it's weird when you've never done it before, right?
0: I know. (laughs) That's all right. And I get to tell you
1: another story today, another case. We're excited. Your first one was good. Um, Yeah, you like that. Yeah, I've gotten so much good feedback on you, which is great. Thanks, everybody, for being so nice to our new co-host. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I think yeah, I, I think everybody's happy you're here. I mean, I enjoy having you. It sounds like well, our I listeners hope everyone's enjoy having I'm you, here.
0: too. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. So, awesome. <laughs> Yay. All right. Well, should we just get right into it? Yeah, let's just jump right in. Okay. Well, this is a story that happened back in 1987, actually January 1st. So this is like New Year's Day, um, 1987. And I want to first say that I got most of my, um, most of my research on this when I was doing, um, the research online, I really didn't get I couldn't get a lot of information, so I thought this was going to be a a super short one. And I think you and I had talked about it. Uh, This ended up not being a short one because I found a really great source. It was a book I read by Gary C. King, and it was called Murder Most Foul, True Crime Stories of Murder and Mayhem. So um, he has a lot of shorter stories in there of uh, true crime. And that's where I got a lot of this information. I love so, the name. I, yeah. And I mean, I was reading it. And then I didn't stop at this case. I like kept reading more of the other cases. And he writes about some really interesting cases. So I definitely recommend that book. So January first, 1987, in the early morning hours around 5 a.m., in Long Beach, Washington, which Long Beach um, is about three hours away from, if you were looking at, like, Vancouver. It's, yeah, it's, it's, out-
1: it's kind of um, midway between, like, Port Orchard and Vancouver on the coast. Yes. It's a really pretty area, but it's definitely, oh, it's like, beautiful. secluded. Like, I was just there on vacation. um man. How long? Two months ago? Three months ago? Oh, really? A couple months ago, yeah. And, like, it's just, there's no grocery stores. There's... Yeah. It's a very touristy town. Like, if you're going there, you're either a townie and you're stuck there or you're there for tourist season.
0: Yeah, it's super touristy. And um, actually, there's just there's a lot of old people there. I don't mean to sound very, uh, my in-laws actually have a they have their beach house out there in Long Beach. And so we've been um, a couple of times. And yeah, it's just very small, very much just touristy. It's hopping in the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, But like right now, you know, there's, there's it's cold right you're you're right by the the coast so it's cold so anyways it was cold um, January 1st, 1987, like I said. And Officer Stephen Graves had just gone off duty. This was around 5 a.m. And he notices as he's pulling out of the station, a teenager just pacing outside near a pay phone by the station. And so he just, he's like, that's a little weird. It's like 5 a.m. But you know, it was New Year's Eve the night before. Um, but again, this is a long beach. It's only old people there. So he's, he asks. the, a teen like do you need help or anything and this kid just automatically says yep I need help and I think you're going to want to talk to me about a terrible thing I just did and so That's officer not graves like,
1: at all okay uh, no <laughs> and you know you know this officer is like damn it yes yes I, keep I was thinking almost about home
0: Exactly. I keep thinking about, you know, when you're working at a restaurant and like, it's like almost time to close the doors. Yeah. And like the, the family of 15 comes in and you're like,
1: or even like me in an office job. It's like. I get off at 2.30 most days, and I kind of take a last glance at my email right before I yeah. shut down my computer. Mm-hmm. And it's like every day, it's like 2.28, there's this email that comes through that I'm like, huh. That
0: you have to take care of, too, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that always happens. So I'm sure Officer Graves was like, I should have never have asked him. But... You know, it's good that he did because then the teenager tells him, I have just, I think I just killed my entire family. And then, and then he immediately puts his hands out to be handcuffed. So I'm sure Officer Graves is like, "Uh, okay. So obviously the officer takes them directly into the station. They get some more details out of this kid and a location, and they end up getting on the phone and calling Skamania County, which is about, Skamania County is about 15 miles east of Vancouver, Washington, and about 45 minutes east of portland so it's it's a small county in the gorge they call skamania county and they give them an address and let them know hey we have this kid here you need to go check on this address and so so, wait
1: really quick just because we're talking we were talking about long beach this kid is saying that he committed a crime in skamania county like yes a couple hours Uh away yes okay
0: yes And so, of course, the officer's like, uh, well, we're like three hours away. So obviously, let's call and check this out. And they get more details from him. And so in Stevenson, Washington, it's. Now it's around like, you know, 6 a.m., 7 a.m. And the brand new Skamania County Sheriff, Ray Blaisdell, was like starting his first day oh. on the job. <laughs> he was the newly elected sheriff. And, you know, like that morning he was so excited. He gets to work. He's like, this is my first day oh, on the job. Man. And the first phone call of the morning is a triple homicide. So that's not the type of call you want on, on your, your first, first day. day. Exactly. Or especially
1: or exactly the call you want on your first yeah, day. Because- maybe I This is one of those things that, like, it can make or break your... Exactly. ...your career, and hopefully this guy's good because he just got elected, but... Exactly,
0: but, I mean, I don't think he expected it at all because this is Skamania County, and, you know, the little small towns surrounding it are just... It's a very sleepy community out there. They had not had a crime like this in years, so our new you know, Scamania County Sheriff, he gets a call from the deputies, and these were the deputies that were actually called by the officer in Long Beach, and they had gone um, to go check out the house before Sheriff uh, Blaisdell reported to work, and so they were the ones that, that called him, and they said, you need to get here right away. We have a horrible scene. It's, uh, all, there's three people dead. Like, send everybody. So what happened was the first officer to respond to go check in on that from the call from Long Beach was Officer Tom Converse. And he went um, to the house at the end of Woodard Creek Road, again, in this really quiet community. He goes and he takes a look. He's like, yeah, he even knew the kid. Like when they when they called him, he's like, yeah, I know I know this kid. And yeah, I'll go check in on his house. Uh, When he went over there to go check in on everything, he looked through the window and he immediately saw a woman lying in bed. And he could tell even from the window that there was blood everywhere. And she had looked like she'd been shot. So he immediately called for backup. Officer Chris Ford shows up. They both are now, after making a couple of you know knocking on the door and yelling, they both enter the home because obviously there's signs of distress, someone's dead on the bed that they can clearly see, and they walk in, and there is blood everywhere. Human tissue on the walls, broken pottery on the floor, shell casings. They find a wallet on the floor. I mean, it is a really bad scene.
1: Right. That just sounds like chaos.
0: Oh, yeah. It was complete chaos, especially, again, you know, this is a small town. So I know the officers already knew who this, who the teenager who was in long beach was and um the house they were going to who lived there
1: yeah so that's even worse because they're walking into the house of essentially in a town that small everyone is friends with everyone oh yeah so they're walking into a friend's house
0: exactly exactly so upon further investigation they find an adult male body on the floor in the room where the first female was found, and he has been shot as well. They go to the basement, and that's where they discover a younger female who is shot as well, but she is also naked from the waist down. And then in another part of the house, in another room, they find, and this breaks my heart, an elderly man who wasn't who wasn't harmed or anything like that. He was very much alive, um, but he was in no condition to help the police with information or anything because um, he was actually a stroke victim and he could oh. no longer walk or communicate, oh. but he's still alive and still can hear. So this was happening while he... Oh, that's... Yeah, oh. I know.
1: That's I know terrible. doesn't that break your heart yeah. yeah because you know I mean obviously this has to be his family because yeah there's no one that just takes care of a random old person for no reason
0: exactly and you know what I have a such a special place in my heart for old people when I was little I actually um designed rest homes they were horrible rest homes though like every, like it like they it was basically a square that had like 50 beds in it and like every bed <laughs> had a night table
1: but i'm like this is where old people are gonna love to live you're modeling it off after like charlie and the chocolate factory yes, you like they can I, all just stay together in one big storm have... <laughs> and they're all lonely so they need friends so they're just exactly. gonna cram right in there <laughs> exactly I just
0: totally thought this is beautiful and there was like only one window in that oh, no. <laughs> so I don't think had I gone the rest home
1: design route I don't think anyone would have but that's gone also too really much. cute that that's what you were <laughs> yeah. doing de- I mean like I was I designing know. my own dream house like no, drawing I was designing houses and you were designing a <laughs> cattle ranch for the elderly <laughs>
0: A cold room for the elderly <laughs> just to lay in bed with just one night table. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so when I when I was researching this case, I was like, "Oh, my heart broke for this um, this man." And like I have said, small town word gets around fast. Um, it wasn't long before the word got out that. Uh, that this was a crime scene in their town and something horrible had happened. So the victims were quickly identified as James and Margaret Butler and Margaret's daughter, Amy Stevenson. And then it turned out to be Margaret's 16-year-old son, Sean Stevenson, who was that mysterious teenager in Long Beach confessing to this gruesome crime. So a little bit of background on this family here. So Sean Allen Stevenson is 16 years old, and he is a freshman at Stevenson High School. So, uh, coincidentally, and this is a side note, uh, Stevenson, which is the small town that this happened in the county of Skamania, his dis- he's the distant re- his distant relatives are those who the town Stevenson in Skamania County is named for.
1: Oh, so, so he's like a legacy family. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like everyone it, knows who these people are. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if that put any pressure on him, because I mean that's oh. a lot of pressure to have on you, knowing everyone knows who your relatives are. I'm sure it did, and the fact that that this kid was a big kid
0: too. So he's 16 years old, but he's six feet tall and about 200 pounds. Oh, so he. So he's a big kid, and apparently he's always been a really big kid. But, for example, my son has always been, like, well above average in the height department for his age. You treat a kid differently, especially when they're younger, when they look older. Do you know what I'm saying? When they look bigger. So you expect more, and you expect different things from them. And so, um, so I think that does something to a kid, too, when they're always... Looked at a little bit differently because of their size. I don't know.
1: Yeah, Anyways. it's almost like it. You're not forcing them to grow up sooner uh, because I feel like it's a subconscious thing that you treat them differently. Yeah, but you know that they're seeing themselves differently too because it's weird growing up being so much bigger than everyone else. It makes you feel like. Well, it makes you feel looked at all the time, yeah, wouldn't it? That's what I was th- like. It's almost like all eyes are drawn to you because you're the, you're the most prominent thing in the room at all times. Yeah. So it's like you can't help but feel self-conscious because you're like, everyone is looking at me. Well, and then the
0: intention you get from it. And then, and what Sean experienced too growing up is uh, the activities that they perceive you want to do. Right. Like he was often asked all the time to play football and basketball. But Sean was the type of kid that was just never interested in sports and stuff like that. He really wasn't, you know, team. He didn't really he was more of a loner than a team player. And that's what they said about him, was uh, that he was just a quiet boy. Most of the people said he was hardworking. He was a proud outdoorsy kid like most of the kids growing up in the gorge. You know, they're going to like to hunt and fish because, I mean, if you've ever been to the gorge in the Pacific Northwest, I mean, in the summer, like your backyard and and all the surrounding areas is your your playground and there's tons of things to do tons of things. He was also described as lonely. Uh, Very few people, but there were few, described him as a little troubled too, Hmm. but he had no criminal record at all to speak of. He did enjoy the party scene, if there was a party scene, I guess, in um, a little town like that. He did enjoy it, which to me um, struck me as odd because for as much as he was described as a loner he did enjoy partying and going to little house parties that may have popped up here and there
1: I feel like when you grow up in a place where there's nothing to do yeah um partying ends up being the thing that everyone does it's like it doesn't matter if you're the most popular kid or the biggest loner you end up at the same parties because what else are you going to do
0: exactly especially when you're so far out like a place like stevenson Mm -hmm. i mean you know like i said portland is 45 minutes away you know you're not gonna get and then back there in we're we're talking the 80s it wasn't probably there wasn't much so he was never a problem in town. He um, be, you know, he was just this big, quiet kid who just was, I guess, a loner. His sister Amy Stevenson, she was 19 years old, and she was the complete opposite. Um, she was a senior at the same high school, so at Stevenson High School. She was the star volleyball player at Stevenson High School on the honor roll. Played a big part in student government. She was very popular, very beautiful, and she was also five months pregnant.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. So um, the father of the baby was an Air Force um, guy who was a few years older than Amy, but you know, by all accounts, they were in love. Uh, the plan was that they were gonna get married after Amy graduated high school. So if you think about it, she was five months pregnant in January. So she probably still would have had the baby when she was still in high school. And yeah, and then she could have gotten, I mean, she was going to graduate, what, like six months after that, right? January, June? I guess. Um, I mean, it depends grad-ish. on where
1: the school year was. I know that in Washington State right now, we go mm-hmm. September to June. But back then, it, may, it could have been a little bit. Oh, it
0: could have been different. You're right. You're right.
1: Because actually, Washington is kind of strange in that because a lot of the rest of the country goes to school um, August to May.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. Hmm. Yeah, who knows what they were doing back then. Um, and, you know, from what everyone said, Sean and, and his sister, they got along very well. Um, they had a good, close relationship. Sean was actually very protective of her. And I didn't really get much on this next fact, but I did read that child services was called at one point about Amy to the house, but I don't know if that was because someone was calling because they thought Amy was being harmed. There was really no real info there. So I can just assume that it was maybe just a call Because she was pregnant, and maybe they were worried that the Air Force guy was a little bit older. I don't know. I don't know what the the child service call was, but um, it was called. There was no real information there. Um, James and Margaret Butler, the two adults that were found deceased in the home, James was 48, and Margaret was 35. Margaret had divorced Sean and Amy's father in 79, and then she... Quickly married James um, after that, which we know that you know that's never that's never a good thing, especially for the kids. Mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, that gives the kids too much happiness. I don't know. Uh, James grew up in Camas, Washington, which is was about 25 minutes away from Stevenson. He worked in construction at one time, and then he worked for the dump. But work was just very sporadic for him, um, which, I guess, caused a lot of financial issues for the family. And then it really wasn't a secret that James and Sean, they just did not have the best relationship. Um, Sean complained about his stepfather a lot and to a lot of people in town. And they never really did much together. And others said that they could kind of sense a rivalry between them, which I totally get. Your mom, you know, divorces your dad, and then this new guy comes in. So I can, you know, totally see that happening naturally between anybody. Yeah. I guess. Um, but there were never reports of altercations. Police were never called to the house about anything, both Margaret and James. They also enjoyed partying too. Uh, they smoked marijuana and drank a lot. Uh, police did discover when they were doing their, their initial investigation that there was a, a small grow operation happening in their garage. Um, it was just like a couple of plants and a couple of lights. nothing nothing too big. But they were they were fans of drinking. So there wasn't much on mom. Her relationship, I guess, with Amy became very rocky after Amy told her about the pregnancy. And Margaret wanted Amy to have an abortion. Like She's like, you can't have this baby. You're still in high school. You need to have an abortion. And Amy wasn't having it. So that led to a lot of arguments in the past couple of months with, uh, between Amy and Margaret.
1: OK. Which, I mean,
0: I get. But yeah,
1: and I'm just thinking about, for Sean, this is probably causing a lot of issues for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially since
0: they say he was so protective over her.
1: Right. And then,
0: you know, she was going to graduate and I assume leave with the baby, too, when she's going Yeah, gonna because she's today. planning
1: on marrying this guy. Yeah. He's in the Air Force, which means he's not going to stick around forever. He's going to be uh, changed a- exactly he's gonna be stationed yeah yeah Uh uh-huh so i mean sean's probably dealing with issues of abandonment because he Mm -hmm. doesn't get along with his stepdad and his sister is gonna be leaving so i can i can kind of already see issues starting yeah and
0: mom's already probably right now just preoccupied with amy and trying to you know fighting with amy sorting that out all of that stuff So back to the scene, again, small town, word travels fast. People are talking, and the town is really divided at this point because, you know, everyone's talking now that the whole family is killed except for Sean. Sean's in Long Beach. Half of them think there is no way Sean could have done this at all. And then half of the town is like, well, maybe this was a murder-suicide. Maybe, you know, James had it because of all the financial issues and killed off the whole family like so it was really divided half of the town was like no way and the other half were were playing armchair detective and coming up with their own theories on what may have
1: happened I mean when Sean is sitting there like openly being like yep it was me like exactly and that's gonna
0: come up a lot later because i mean he like i told you in the beginning of the story he's wandering around long beach nothing's happening out there and he's just like uh yeah i killed my family do we find out how he ended up
1: there yes we do we do because i'm really curious like
0: yes i i will let you know no he just magically appeared (laughs) magically appeared three hours away Okay, so more and more evidence is pointing to Sean. And obviously, like we just said, his confession, right? Yeah. That would be the main piece of evidence. So investigation of the scene by the Specialized Crime Investigation Unit starts happening, and they take over 200 pictures. And they take a lot of evidence, like the blood samples, you know, from the wall, the, the tissue um, broken pottery, they're just gathering all this evidence. Uh, they actually find evidence of semen on Amy's body. During I their, thought
1: so, since she was found their, uh, naked since from the waist down. She was found naked from
0: the waist down, yes. So they find um, semen on and actually in her body. Mm. They collect a lot of guns. There were a lot of guns inside that home.
1: That doesn't surprise me because they're in the middle of the country. I mean, exactly. I would expect no less.
0: Exactly. Once the investigation is over, and this I found very interesting, is police let the family, the uh, other family members related to the family, come in to clean up the scene. They, they but they were finished. done
1: processing it, right?
0: Yeah, they were done processing it, which is fine. That always happens. But I didn't know that you could just elect family members to do that. Yep.
1: because um that would be horrible there are professional companies that will come in and do like a biohazard cleaning Uh they are insanely expensive are they they are insanely expensive um for something for something as simple as like coming in and just uh like tearing up carpet and doing like an ozone treatment on the Uh air it's like three to five thousand dollars Oh
0: my goodness! You and know, I'm embarrassed to say I follow on Instagram uh, crime scene cleanup uh, accounts, uh-huh. like pe- people that have them, and it is a, a difficult and horrible job. Yeah, I mean, you're going into a scene of
1: a of a crime where awful things happen. Or even something that's completely an accident. What's really interesting is that everything involving crime scene cleanup, so even something that's not this bad, like if your uh-huh. loved one if you cut yourself really bad in the kitchen, bad enough that you had to call an ambulance to come get you. Uh-huh. The emergency response doesn't care about what's going on in your house. They will shove things out of the way. They will push things. Yeah. Like so they make a mess. And if they have like, cause everything is sterily wrapped, they'll, yeah. br- they'll tear open gauze stuff and they then will, leave it, leave yeah, like they'll the wrapping. It and yeah. it's basically up to the family to clean that stuff up. It's crazy. I just can't,
0: I can't imagine.
1: It completely makes sense to me because they don't, they can't care about like, oh, I don't want to make your house dirty. Like it's, mm-hmm. you, you're saving a life. It doesn't matter.
0: Oh, totally. But I couldn't imagine like knowing that, you know, my family or someone I know has been brutally murdered and then going in there and cleaning it up. I just don't think that would be something that I.
1: Right. And, you I know, the family was having financial troubles. So, yeah, they, they so probably there's... had no other choice than to go and do it themselves, which is really sad.
0: Exactly. So when the family went in there to clean up the scene, uh, they, you know, washed all the blood and the tissue matter from the walls. They burned blood soaked bedding and um, three mattresses. They even burned the red chair, which I will tell you about more about this red chair later that was revealed in trial where James was shot at close range with a 30 caliber. Um, But they even burned that that red chair but it's still crazy to me that they just handed it over to the family like that but like you were saying they processed the the crime scene I guess and that is actually going to come back uh, later on in trial so back to Long Beach on the day of I want to tell you a little bit more about Sean and how we ended up in Long Beach so Sean is now in custody of the police in Long Beach. And all the police officers are taking note of the fact that he is very emotionless. He's very quiet. They said he was tired and not really concerned at all. I mean, he's just admitted, I've killed my whole family. And now he's basically like just chill. He speaks when spoken to. And then he answers the questions when asked. Uh, Never asked for a lawyer or anything like that. He's just kind of like, he's there. He tells officers in Long Beach um, during the initial confession that he had gotten into a fight with his stepdad about not being able to go to a New Year's Eve party because he was grounded. And then the officer was like, well, then, so you get in an argument, and then that leads to, triple murder
1: yeah and he's like, like well like connect the dots for me here, ex-
0: please.
1: <laughs> exactly and all
0: he said to him well you know just one thing led to another Oh. Can you tell me what led to it? Like, I need more here. <laughs> because when I was younger, and my parents didn't let me go to a party. It I never killed them. Up, yeah. So. It, didn't, it didn't end up in murder. And my parents didn't let me do a lot of things. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not quite buying as one thing led right. to another. Uh, when asked why he killed his mom and sister because obviously his beef was with his stepfather right right he says well you know you just had to be there to understand
1: okay Uh, I wasn't there help me understand like (laughs) like dude But I just love his, you just had to be there. Like it was like, he's telling, like, uh, uh, just a story. Like this is yeah. not like a cute anecdote from your day no. at school the other day. Because you just day. had to be there. You just had to be there. No. So,
0: um, so they end up taking him to a nearby hospital in ilwaco to collect physical evidence on him, you know, facial and body swabs, the standard yeah. thing that you have to do, you know, when someone confesses to a triple homicide. Oh, yeah, because uh, that's completely standard. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there was very little blood when he went to Long Beach. Like he had a little bit of blood on his shoe. Um, and then there was some traces of blood in his wallet, specifically on a $100 bill that he had in his wallet. There was um, some blood on that. Huh. Interesting to note, though, and I don't, th- this, some people listening could be like, I don't know why she thought this was interesting to note. He was not wearing any underwear. So I just thought that was that, interesting to I mean, that to seems note. a
1: little odd, but yeah, this is their well, habits and we are not judging them. <laughs>
0: I know, and I don't want to judge, but I also want to say he was wearing jeans, and any time I think about someone wearing jeans that's without underwear, chafing. that's just a lot of contact with your special parts that just that, like, doesn't like,
1: feel comfortable. I can't, like, when I wear jeans, I get, like seems rubbing me in wrong places and I'm wearing underwear exactly
0: oh and then don't get me started on just the thought of if jeans were wet no I can't I can't that is oh no I need to get that thought out of my mind I can't the thought of wet jeans on a person makes me want to vomit I don't even know why (laughs) those are my issues though (laughs) not anyone else's I am I apologize in advance (laughs) So anyways, Officer Christopher Ford from Scamania County travels. He, he is tasked to go and pick up Sean Stevenson in Long Beach. When he gets to Long Beach, he finds James Butler's missing Ford pickup uh, that when they were at the scene, they're like, oh, his car is missing. Where could his car be? Well, it's obviously in Long Beach, just conveniently parked at the station. Which I guess that's where just Sean ended up just driving straight to Long Beach to park at the station. Thing. Did
1: Sean have any connections with Long Beach?
0: He does. He has one connection in Long Beach, and that is his father. His father does live in Long Beach, but he never went to see his dad, huh? at all. Yeah. so I am I'm not sure. He had other plans, which I will I will tell you about in a second. Okay. The truck, it was the truck that Sean drove to Long Beach. And inside the truck, the officer finds several interesting items. He finds several rifles, one of them being a 30 caliber Marlin rifle, uh, one shotgun, three pistols. And all but one of those guns found in the truck was loaded. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of guns in there, but only one of them is loaded. Uh, two suitcases. Wait, wait.
1: All but one was loaded or only one was loaded?
0: Only one was loaded. Okay. You, yes. ki- you
1: kind of said both. Did
0: I so say like, both? So, like, I wanted
1: to clarify. So, one yeah. of them, he's got a lot of guns in there, but only-, yeah. only one of the guns was loaded. Yeah. All of those guns take different ammunition. So Exactly. Okay.
0: So, that's odd that he felt he needed it. He had two suitcases that were just completely full with his stuff and then they also found in the truck pieces of the same broken pottery that were also remember in the crime scene they mentioned there was just a lot of broken pottery on the ground yeah so they, they found pieces of that same pottery inside of the truck too
1: is, and, is the pottery? is there something like special about this? You know what? No, the pottery
0: never oh, comes up except just to, you know, just on the prosecution side to say that, like, look, there's the evidence of pottery there and pottery in the truck. Um, and he also had a gallon of milk because, okay. You when got it.
1: <laughs> when um,
0: I'm on a, on a road trip after killing my family, I think, you know what? I need Milk. some vitamin D. I gotta get that <laughs> calcium. Okay. I gotta, I gotta keep my bones strong, I guess. I don't yeah. know. But that's what they found in the um in the truck. Sean gets, you know, he they pick him up, they take him in the truck, obviously, back to Scamania County. And this is what is determined after after the invest, after the initial investigation and um, everything, so what the police say it, and the detectives say is, shortly after midnight, someone, obviously presumably Sean, because remember he has confessed to this crime, right, comes into the house and shoots James Butler in the head from at least thirty inches away, and James Butler was basically just sitting in his living room. In a red rocking chair, watching TV, and he gets blown away by a thirty-caliber rifle. Wow! Autopsy revealed that James Butler did have marijuana and alcohol in his system at the time of his death.
1: Okay, but this sounds like it was kind of normal. Like, yeah, if they I, did I, it not was. find those things, it would have been yeah.
0: odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wasn't an insane amount it was just found in the autopsy and i just, you know, felt okay. it was relevant. Margaret Butler was shot as she was laying in bed with the same 30 caliber that James was shot with. But it is assumed that she was sleeping since she was just laying on her right side. Mm -hmm. And someone basically just went in there and also blew her away at close range. Um, It destroyed the side of her face and her brain. It says the right side of her face and brain. So basically, she was lying on her left side then. Mm -hmm. There was also marijuana and alcohol in her system as well. Okay. Amy was killed in the basement in bed. So I assume that that's where Amy's bedroom was. Okay. I didn't, I didn't hear any different, but I guess that's her bedroom was in the basement, but she was killed there. Amy's death was a little different, though. She was shot with a 22 caliber in the right temple, and then she was raped. Ugh. Um, I, I was knew na- that
1: was coming, but it's still yeah. gross.
0: Yeah, and then she was shot again after. Yes, yeah. So they said she was, she was killed right away. Obviously, that the shot, you know, killed her in the right temple. Then she was raped, and then she was shot again in her right cheek. Both shots were less than three inches away when they were fired, and there were no drugs or alcohol in her system.
1: Which is good. That's a responsible mother yeah, right there.
0: Exactly. I really feel everything that I read about Amy and heard about Amy. I think Amy had this plan. You know, I don't think pregnancy was a part of her plan, but she she had a plan for that. She was going to get married to this guy whom she loved, apparently. And they were going to get married after she graduated high school and just lived their life. So it's really sad that that opportunity was taken away from her. Mm-hmm. So one would think... We have a confession. We have a crime scene that matches up.
1: Case closed, right? Well, yes and no. So, I mean, we yeah. have a confession, but it's a weird, shady confession. It's like a, oh, one thing led to another. You had to be there to understand. Exactly. It's exactly. not him actually saying step by step. Like, first no. I did this, uh-uh. and then I did this, and then I did mm. that. So, I mean, it's. It is a confession, but he didn't give any details to like match with the scene. So no, there, it's uh-uh. it's not quite like a slam dunk.
0: And like I said, town was divided, right? Mm-hmm. So, so wait,
1: Sean. Sorry. Uh, yes, the town is divided, and they think the townies think some of them anyway think this was a murder suicide. Yeah. So yes, they. Th- well, um Sean's stepfather's name James, James Butler um how was he shot was he shot like in the back of the head or
0: yes he was shot um in the back of the head so from 30 inches away okay, so that's obviously
1: he if he was shot from the front I could see maybe yeah um yeah the the average person if she was shot with like a shotgun the, a thirty caliber gun? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know much about guns. My brother's red... going to yell at me. I don't
0: know... I don't know much about guns either, and my husband did yell at me when I was asking him questions. Because I'm like, what is the difference between a rifle and a pistol? And I said, uh, because he had a rifle, a pistol, and a shotgun. I said, can I just say he just had lots of guns in the car?
1: And my husband was like, no. A shotgun sprays. So oh. that would cause like a lot of damage even at a close range because they spray. But like a 30 caliber bullet, I don't know enough about that kind of bullet to yeah. know if it if it just kind of hits you or if it sprays or like is it a bullet or is it like It's a shotgun. bullet. So yeah, it's, it's, I was it's, trying to see if there was any logic to the murder-suicide thing, and I think the town folk are just delusional. They're going to
0: totally debunk that in trial, because 30 inches away, yeah. I mean, unless James had obscenely
1: long... Or he's like rigging up a a Rube Goldberg yeah, machine to, exactly. I don't know...
0: Exactly. Well, and then you'll find out, too, his body was actually moved. Oh. So unless James is able to kill himself after killing his family. And then rise and then, from
1: the dead to, like, slump over to a different seat because yeah. his zombie corpse was uncomfortable.
0: The officers found him lying on the floor in. Um, oh, in the bedroom. In Margaret's yeah. room. Yeah. But he was sitting in a red rocking chair in the living room when he was.
1: Shot. Right. You so, continue on. I keep throwing you off yours. Oh, I'm no, sorry. you're
0: totally fine. I love it. So Sean was charged with one count of aggravated murder in the first degree, obviously, because the rape involved in his sister's death. Mm-hmm. And then he was charged with two counts of first degree murder for his mother and stepfather. The case got so much attention, obviously, in Scamania County, again, small town, that they had to move... His trial to nearby Clark County so that Sean could get a fair, fair trial, obviously. Yeah. The judge in Clark County, though, ruled that Sean must be tried as an adult, even though he was only 16 at the time of the confession and the murders. Good. And he said he felt that Sean was mature mentally and physically due to the pure callousness of the crime, and he should be charged as an adult rather than a juvenile because if he was to be convicted as a juvenile, he would be let out in the streets in less than 30 years. So the judge felt like this crime, if he was guilty of it, that it was so horrible that Yeah, he- and
1: this actually happens often when there's uh-huh. um, children who are... I mean technically they're teenagers they're not adults but when it comes to first degree murder charges they do get tried as adults pretty often
0: yeah well and then this goes back to what we were talking about before in that you know he he even says the judge even says like he Sean is mature mentally and physically so again you're taking this kid that is bigger right, right than all the other kids and so he should know better. He's older and bigger, right? When he he's only sixteen, and I, and I feel like I think about, gosh, when I was sixteen, I mean, I wasn't committing murder, but I did make stupid choices, right? right. So
1: I don't. And know. I think this is far enough back that it's before they really discovered how much the frontal lobe develops, mm-hmm. and the fact that yes. it really takes until the time that you're twenty one to twenty five to actually fully develop. So at that time, they're like, you knew what you were doing.
0: Yeah. And so because he was going to be tried as an adult, he was looking at the possibility of the death penalty. Sean's defense team, and he had a great defense team, had other ideas. So despite his confession, they pled not guilty, and they were initially going to stick to the insanity plea, right? Not guilty due to insanity. Okay. But then after the defense did their own investigation, they decided that they were going to go with an alibi defense to prove that Sean wasn't even there.
1: Even though he had blood on him. Okay, (laughs) Exactly.
0: Okay. Exactly. And the confession. Okay. Wait till you you see what they say about the confession. Okay. So at trial, Sean even testified in his defense. Really? Okay. So they
1: let him.
0: They were brave enough The def- it was the def- the defense team called him to the stand wow. like the defense brought him up there. So they were pretty they were pretty convinced that he could convince a jury. Wow. Right. This was Sean's kind of story side of the story so Sean said he was over at a friend's house that night on New Year's Eve which was confirmed by the two friends they even brought those two friends on the witness stand so he was over at at this house and the house that he was at it was um at a boy last name Miller they were at the Miller's house and this house was behind Sean's house okay so it was so like the backyard just touched yeah the backyard yeah but the house is on a a hill a little bit the Miller's house a little bit of a like incline so if they were looking outside they were looking down at Sean's house okay. basically yeah. they said he said he was there he was hanging out with two friends and then Sean and his two friends this is I laugh because I'm just like uh, you had to be there after midnight they heard shots coming from they said they heard shots coming from Sean's house which okay it's New Year's Eve you know sometimes people you know shoot off guns at midnight right like I've heard that before haven't you yeah keep I haven't shot off a gun but I've heard fireworks
1: so which I mean I've got my own thing about this I mean I have lived in some shady places I have also <laughs> lived with my share of rednecks. Um, I mean, even in my neighborhood I live in right now, if I'm here, if I hear a boom outside, I'm just like, "Yep, that's the neighbors again." Like, <laughs> I know it's gunshots sometimes. Sometimes it's not, but like sometimes I'm like, yep, yeah. that was a gun." Yep. And I- and I just kind of, I'm inside, I'm fine. So
0: yeah. And you know what? That's kind of what they said they did. They heard shots and they didn't think anything of it. They were just like, okay. But, you know, I was thinking, gosh, it, like they're behind the house. And they they heard it and were able to identify it as coming from Sean's home.
1: That's a little odd.
0: So wouldn't you, being Sean, be like, oh, my gosh, I just heard shots. It sounded like it was coming from my house. I'm going to go check on them.
1: Unless this is like a normal thing that... Maybe yeah. Maybe his well, stepdad in goes in the backyard and just like does some target Shoots practice. Off guy. <laughs> Shoots off a gun. Shoots off a gun. Right. Maybe that's normal, and maybe he's just like, ugh, I'm not gonna go home. Sounds like James is outside doing some target practice. Like, I mean, it could just be a completely normal thing, and that's. They would have to establish yeah. that, that that was a normal thing. Yeah. Like, why? I'm sure the prosecution's first question would have been like, well, why didn't you do anything? And Sean would have been like, oh, it happens all the time. Yeah.
0: And he and that's what he said. I, I just thought nothing of it. So he is at the house. He has another beer. He hears the shots. He has another beer. He said he returned home a little bit later around 1.30 a.m. Um, he said he walked into the home from the back, and uh, he said uh, immediately when he walked into the home, and this is him on at trial, he said, I walked in, and I could just smell something disgusting, like the house just smelled gross, and then he said that's when he saw his stepfather first in the red rocking chair Oh. and he says he knew he was dead because his face didn't look normal he goes on to say that when they keep asking about that like what would he mean his face didn't look normal his face he said his face looked droopy and like half of it wasn't there and well because it was blown off that's yeah. why his face didn't look normal but to me when he's talking about this at trial I get the sense that he was standing there for a long time to get like a a
1: really good description right.
0: of his face. Right.
1: Um, but also, decomposition doesn't start smelling right away.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I also don't know if, and I've heard this on some crime shows, but doesn't blood, once it comes out of the body, doesn't it kind of have a distinct like... I, I don't know penny irony smell. Yeah, it does, but but I wouldn't call that disgusting right. in any way. I
1: mean, unless he's just sensitive to it. But the, that statement seems a little weird to me. I mean, this whole thing is weird. But the yeah. that he was so like adamant about the smell being weird. That's odd. yeah,
0: yeah. He he said it just smelled weird, and then he he saw his stepfather first, and then he didn't know what to do. So he just left. Okay. No calls to the police or anything because,
1: you know, that's normal when you're innocent, right? Yeah. He just goes in there. He stares at his stepfather's blown-off face for a good 20 minutes, you know, to commit it to memory, and then he leaves. Okay. Oh,
0: I forgot to say, though, too, that um, he does at some point, and I think this comes up later on in trial— but he does take his, fa- his stepfather, who he knows is dead, from the chair and drags him into the bedroom where his mother is.
1: Because that's a normal and response. That is a, a what? normal, well-adjusted response. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't call the police. You move your father, your stepfather, into the other room. Because, you know, he's lonely out there exactly exactly just bring him on into mom okay <laughs> exactly or maybe he thought you know i'm gonna go check on my mom i, should I may bring, as well just take him with me <laughs> i just I, I may as well bring like, him with what me the fuck, dude yeah okay and then he, he says uh he just doesn't remember a lot after that yeah, convenient. He, he remembers he remembers leaving but he just doesn't remember and his defense is like you know what that makes sense because of the trauma when you happened upon the scene most likely caused traumatic amnesia, which several psychologists backed up at trial. They had him seen by about three psychologists, and they're like, yeah, uh, we think he he's suffering from traumatic amnesia.
1: Convenient. That he
0: happened upon the scene and then just blacked out, basically. I didn't know that one of the side effects of traumatic amnesia means then you drive far away and then make false confessions. I didn't know that yeah. that
1: was a yeah. side that, effect, um, right? It's right on the Wikipedia page. I mean, you yeah. did not do your research.
0: Defense says that this claim, um, they claimed this condition That may have caused Sean to dissociate from reality and then fabricate facts. Oh, so obviously this kid is so traumatized that he has now escaped reality completely. And he is an alternate universe where it seems like a really good idea to tell the police I did it.
1: You know who else is suffering from this (laughs) traumatic amnesia is his defense team. Exactly. Because, you know, they are fabricating facts left and right here.
0: You'll love this. When asked by the prosecution why he moved his stepfather's body to the bedroom where his mother lay murdered, Sean says he was trying to spare his step-grandfather, who was the elderly gentleman, from seeing this. You mean the
1: guy who literally can't move from where he was is just going to... Exactly. So not only... (laughs) <laughs> do we have the super convenient, like, I walked into the house and the, I'm just gonna yeah. move? Like, your, yeah. uh, your grandfather, step grandfather, who's suffered yeah. a stroke and literally can't do anything for himself, is just gonna magically hop up out of bed and yeah. happen into the living room. And yeah. I don't have another stroke? I don't know.
0: Exactly. He can't even walk by himself or talk. So I don't know. I, I, I appreciate the fact that Sean's trying to be very sensitive <laughs> to uh, his step-grandfather. But, you know, he was and, – and another thing that gets me too is that um, that poor old man was just lying there helpless listening to probably all of this go down. Because he can still hear. Right, he's and thinking still, that
1: he's going to be next. I know.
0: Could you imagine just the fear and then not being able to do anything
1: about it and then just laying there? Yeah. That
0: had to have been awful.
1: And like this suspense because, you know, time passed between. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just imagining this guy laying there. So you hear the door open. You're like, oh, someone's home. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. he could have even been sleeping at this point. I would fully expect that he's sleeping mm-hmm. at midnight. Mm hmm. The first gunshot totally. wakes him up and at that yeah. point you're like sometimes you like you hear stuff and I mean a gunshot's a gunshot. It takes but a while like, to it process. It takes a second for you to process and so he's laying yeah. there. I don't know how much time passed between the first shot and when he went in and shot his mother but you know it wasn't like bam bam. So he hears, oh, yeah. he hears the second shot and that's when it really sinks in. They're like oh shit something is happening. He can't do it's- anything. Mm-hmm. And so he's just yeah. kind of sitting there. Sean goes downstairs and then- to his sister and there's a shot there. And so two shots. Well, there's the first shot before. Yeah. He and, her. He- and there's time mm-hmm. in there. So, you know, that the grandfather is sitting there like, well, OK, that's three people. And then he hears a fourth shot. And he doesn't know that it's Sean doing this. So he can only assume, OK, there are five people in this house. There were four shots. I'm next. So, like,
0: exactly. this poor old man. And just laying there. Just laying there. Yeah. And then the police don't get there till when? A the six next in m- the like, morning. In the morning. Yeah. Like at six or seven in the morning. Yeah. And he can't do anything. Oh, he needs to go to my, my rest <sighs> home. I'll take care of him. So the defense suggests murder-suicide, that James was having, you know, there was a lot of financial issues, and he just killed off the whole family. Or, they say, perhaps he raped Amy and then just killed the entire family to cover it
1: up. Because that's, that's also a well-adjusted thing you do. What?
0: Exactly. Or they claimed that maybe this could have just been a drug deal gone wrong. Because after all, they did have a grow operation. The The two, James and Margaret, were obviously fans of smoking weed. They even, their whole big like piece of evidence was a fingerprint expert who claimed that the there was a fingerprint found on a bag of weed that was in um, Mr. Butler's room that did not match Mr. Butler oh or Sean Stevenson. So they're like, see this? Here's here's probable cause right here. Like there could have been another person in this room.
1: Oh my god. So.
0: Thankfully, though, we have a great prosecution team, and they aren't having any of this. I'm not having any of this. (laughs) No. So they bring in multiple witnesses. There was one guy who saw Sean shortly after 1 a.m. that night, and he said that Sean told him, in like just like a passing conversation, like, hey man, I I think I killed my parents. Now this guy that he was talking to, that Sean was talking to, was also in some legal trouble himself and was anticipating like a jail stay soon. So Sean even mentions to him, yeah, I might see you in jail. I I, I think I killed my parents. And this guy was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. And like just didn't really think anything of it. Another friend of Sean's that took the stand said that he at various times during his friendship with uh, Sean had seen him argue with his stepfather and that um, at one point they were arguing over a gun. Sean had a lot of guns. Mr. Butler had a lot of guns and um he had stated in front of his friend and actually in front of um, his stepfather, too, that, you know, one of these mornings you're going to come and tell me to go to school and I'm just going to blow you away. So uh, there was a friend that could kind of attest to, to the, the friction between Sean and his, his stepfather. Mm-hmm. And then there was the Skamania uh, general store clerk. And, you know, it's a small town, so there's a small little store. There's a gas station right there in front of the store, too. And he says that he witnessed Sean come to get gas for what he said was his his parents' pickup. He's like, I need to get gas for the truck. And he was like, all right. And he was wearing a, this guy said that Sean was wearing a bandolier with ammunition.
1: Like fucking Rambo? (laughs) Yes
0: but you know i can just picture this this clerk at this going all right you're like... cool dude like
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. that's what i would think like if this because this kid is like he's kind of a, a little bit of a weirdo kind of a loner and he walks in wearing one of these i would not take him seriously i'd be like <laughs> no i would be I'd like, be like right. you're cool dude like, yeah okay. go home
0: now yeah yeah And then he also says that he saw him speed past, so like going out of town, past the gas station, around 2.30 AM in the pickup truck. Okay, So that was another witness. Then they brought in a 15-year-old witness who, in some accounts, say it was Sean's girlfriend. Others say it was just a friend that didn't really know Sean that well. But she lived in Long Beach, and she testified that the night of the murders, she received a call from Sean like around 1 or 2 a.m. asking her if she wanted to go to Mexico with him because he shot his entire family.
1: Dude, you're trying to get out of the country. Obviously, Canada is right there. Exactly. Exactly. No, we're going to go to Mexico.
0: I've got my gallon of milk and my two suitcases. (laughs) And we're going to go to Mexico. We are going to be hydrated, damn it. Exactly. Okay. Okay. and she basically said no, thankfully, the one 15-year-old <laughs> ever existed that have some, has some sense about her. But she said no, and she told the jury that she just really didn't think anything of it, that she just thought he was joking, which I, I don't know. A lot of people say this, I find, in trials when someone calls them to confess to something, and they're like, oh, I just totally thought they were joking. I don't think any one of my friends has ever called me in the middle of the night right. and been like I just killed my family. I'm like, you ha, know, Mexico. Ha, ha, dude,
1: let me sleep.
0: <laughs> exactly. First of all, I wouldn't even answer the phone A because I'm sleeping and B I don't know. I just I guess it depends on the person.
1: I also kind of think that sometimes when people are like, oh, I thought they were joking, it's like a self-defense kind of thing. They're like, well, if I admit that I knew something was wrong and I didn't call anyone about it, well, then I'm in the wrong. But if I thought it was a joke, then it's not my fault.
0: Exactly. Because I thought it was a joke. And so that's why I didn't say anything. Exactly. So they bring in forensic experts uh, that disprove the claim that it could have been a murder-suicide. And it's basically everything we talked about before because of the range at which Mr. Butler was shot, the area at which Mr. Butler was shot. um, It was impossible for a self-inflicted wound of that kind Mm -hmm. to come from from him. It had to be somebody else. So there was a lot of uh, testimony about that. And just the fact that the gun that he ended up or he would have shot himself with ended up in the truck in long beach with with sean stevenson so (laughs) i mean with only sean's fingerprints on them so i mean i don't know determine what you will The claim that Amy may have been, and you might need to help me with this one, and I didn't really look into it, and this will say a lot about uh, me as a person. But the claim that Amy may have been assaulted by her stepfather was also disproved because of the spermatosis, how do you say it?
1: Spermatosa?
0: Spermatosa. So this is what I'm thinking, and you can edit this out. So there was spermatosa found on her pubic area Mm -hmm. that could have not come from James. And this, I think, was prior to getting anything DNA tested because um, he had a vasectomy years prior. So the only thing, and he could no longer produce that. So the only thing I thought of when I heard that was, you know, pre-cum.
1: Well, Um, no. So, um, I mean, obviously, men who have had vasectomies still ejaculate. Yeah. There's no sperm in it. Okay. So they're saying that, like, the fact that they found sperm here rules him out because he doesn't produce it anywhere. He doesn't eject it. Okay. I was
0: thinking of it in total opposite. I was thinking of the pre cum, which doesn't have sperm in it. Except it does. Right?
1: It does? Yeah. That's why pulling out doesn't work because pre cum has sperm in it. Not as many, but it does exist.
0: So yeah, they determined that um, it couldn't have come from James because of the fact that he had a vasectomy uh, years prior to that. Okay. And then in a dramatic kind of like mic drop moment for the prosecution, they destroyed any shadow of a doubt by taking away even one of the defense's claims of another person being in there because they put the same fingerprint witness that the... Defense had up on the stand to yeah. take a look at another set of fingerprints on that bag, uh-huh. which actually ended up being Ray uh, Blaisdell's prints, because obviously when he was there at the scene, I guess there was, he touched it or whatever. Oh. So... They were like, You're saying it's somebody else, but it's it's the police officers. They're that like, were there. so
1: the police officer yeah. the drug dealer <laughs> yeah, gone exactly, like Exactly. Exactly. And I love that they use the same expert here because that's just yeah. such a profound statement that they're like yeah. um your your witness over here. Dude. Exactly.
0: And the way I read it, too, the way that it, um, when I was reading about this, they, like, show the fingerprint witness, like, some fingerprints on a card and ask them to compare it with the prints on, you know, the bag. Mm -hmm. and, And the fingerprint witness is like, yeah, these look similar. And then they're like, okay, can you turn the the card over to read the name on it and it was the sheriff's <laughs> the sheriff's name so like it actually drew audible gasps from like oh. like the court like so it was like this big yeah it's big one moment. of those
1: oh moment yeah
0: exactly exactly so the prosecution basically cited rage they said only rage would make a person do this sean was obviously mad at his stepfather since the moment Margaret married him, and that night, the argument they had of him not letting him go out kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back, and that it was just pent-up hatred that made him kind of go berserk. Right. It was rage that made him basically decapitate his mother and stepfather with the close range shots to the head. And then it was obviously rage, jealousy and other psychological issues, obviously, which several psychologists backed up at the trial that made him kill and then rape his own sister after she was dead. Right. Because you have to have some issues there.
1: Especially, I mean, if he wasn't getting along with her that well, I may actually understand it. I'm, I won't understand it, but no, I would understand it better than, I mean, he was so protective of her. He loved her. It's just so crazy that it totally flipped it around in his head in that moment. It, it it's is. like crazier and then, to me because he loved her.
0: Exactly. And then I thought about it. I was thinking about it after I was reading all of this. and And so I thought about it and I'm like, okay, he goes down to the basement and obviously shoots her. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if he's he's standing there and then something some dark side of his mind turns on in that moment. I don't know, but then I feel like the second shot afterwards was probably more disgust at himself. Do you know what I'm saying? Because he only shoots his dad once and his mom once, but he
1: shoots his sister two times. Right, and he also used a different caliber weapon on her. So, yeah, I think the fact that he used a 30 caliber, which caused a lot of damage to his father, or his stepfather and his mother, and then he went down knees to 22 with his sister, which is um, a really small caliber bullet, and it's mm. as far as like. It, it actually wouldn't cause that. Mu- it wouldn't cause much mess. It wouldn't cause any damage no. to her at all. Like it would not affect her face, if, especially because he shot her in the temple. Mm-hmm. There has to be something there about how he was trying to pres- because that's a guilt thing that like a lot of killers, when they feel remorse, they'll pose the body in a way that looks like they're resting or sleeping. And I think the fact that he killed his sister with a smaller caliber bullet was like, pr- and she was one of the things about her was that she was gorgeous. So yeah. he's killing her with a smaller quote unquote, cleaner caliber bullet to preserve her beauty. And there has to be something there about like when he, um, something about that must've broke him when he raped her. And then he goes and he kills her through her cheek and like, there's something there and like he's marring her beauty with that second shot like there's something in there I guess but then I think
0: about like if he did love and care for her so much like and you were talking about killers who do love you know and they try to preserve some some sort of decency in how they leave the body Mm -hmm. like he left
1: her naked from the waist down right but at first there's got to be some like and I'm thinking it's that he was going down there at first with the intention of like preserve. It's some sort of remorse yeah. thing. Yeah. Something happened after he shot her that just snapped in his head. And after that, there was no remorse there anymore.
0: I mean, I guess I guess we'll never know right. about that. But um, basically, they go on to say that the only logical explanation of these multiple confessions that he made to friends and police enforcement directly after the crime was because he is truly guilty. And he tried to run from his guilt, and he couldn't. And obviously, he, I mean, to go all the way to Long Beach to end up at a police station to confess. Right. Like, no, it's not like there was a manhunt on for him. He obviously, he obviously feels guilt of some kind. And it's not until his defense team, I feel, gets a hold of him that then he decides to go the other way. Right. With all of the all this talk about traumatic amnesia and, you know, an alibi. Right. In the end, on May 8, 1987, after 20 hours over three days of deliberation, 12 jurors found Sean Stevenson guilty of all counts of murder. He was sentenced to serve three consecutive life terms in prison in Aberdeen, Washington at Stafford Creek Corrections Center. So I bet you thought, This is the end of Sean, right? And then he just goes off to prison to serve his three consecutive life terms. It is not. So Sean, (laughs) Sean being, you know, the great guy that he is, he decided, you know what? I think it's gonna be a good idea to escape from prison. <laughs> okay.
1: How do you, how long was he in there when he came up with this play? Was this like right away? This was like less than a year. He wasn't even in
0: there. Okay, a so year. he's
1: still like a young dummy. Okay.
0: Well, he's trying to get to Mexico. <laughs> Trying He's trying to, to get a gallon of milk. He's going to hit a store, grab a gallon of milk, head to Mexico. <laughs> no, he decides he was going to escape from prison, which he does. There really isn't. And I was found this shocking. There wasn't a lot of details about this. Um, I just know that he escaped. I and don't find he that was
1: shocking because... <laughs> Why would you want to publish the details of how someone is exactly. in prison? Like exactly. fiction is one thing where you're like, oh, you could do this to get out of prison. Yeah. But like posting the details of someone who actually did it just sounds like the wrong thing on like, so many levels. Up. So I completely <laughs> yeah. understand.
0: Um he was only out for a few hours. He was ca- he was captured shortly after. I bet you he walked to a police station and was like <laughs> Uh, you're gonna want to arrest me when you hear about the terrible thing I did.
1: Oh, by the Um, way, I'm still in my jumpsuit. Um, (laughs) you mind taking me home?
0: (laughs) One thing led to another. (laughs) You had Uh, to be there. Well, you basically had to be there. (laughs) Um, he was a he was captured a few hours later, and he was charged with uh escape in the first degree, theft in the first and second degree. So, I'm only assuming. Yeah. Well, I am as you know what I'm going to say is a gallon of milk. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a car. I don't know. But that would be auto theft, I guess. Right. He stole something and I hope it was worth it because he, that just only added more years to his other sentence. I mean, so now he has all this other charges against him. Since his sentencing, Sean and his team filed and continue to file every appeal possible. Like, (laughs) Sean's like, I gotta get out of here. His team claims that the officers in Skamania County unlawfully entered the house and collected evidence when they should, yeah, when they should have only been there to check the house. Okay, so So they go to check (laughs) and they
1: see a dead body, but they're like, oh shit, we Uh gotta leave? What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're saying
0: that Sean even says, I didn't give them permission to go in the house. I just told them to go check on the house. Okay,
1: but it doesn't matter because once, no. once a police officer goes to a scene of anything, if they, if any yeah. of their senses, and I'm not talking about a sixth sense because unfortunately no. that doesn't count, but if any of their no. five senses tell them that something is wrong inside a house, they have probable cause to enter. And he could exactly. see a dead body through the window.
0: Exactly. And they are trying to get around that somehow. Um, It's not working, though. Obviously, any judge hearing that appeal, they're like, uh, sit down, sit down. um, Go
1: back to your jail cell, sir. We'll give you a gallon of milk if it'll shut (laughs) you up.
0: Exactly. Just stay there. They also, his defense team, even brought up the fact that, um, well, you know what? The family that was given permission... So soon after the investigation was, again, processed and cleared uh, to clean, they may have destroyed evidence that could have found Sean innocent. So I mean,
1: that is a fair argument to make. Yeah. But but they need to be saying what potential evidence was destroyed.
0: Like, because a lot of the evidence, and again, the confession pointing to Mr. Stevenson. So, the latest attempt actually came recently in 2017. The latest attempt to try to appeal and to reduce the sentence and get him out. Um, when Sean and, and his team, as a result of the Miller versus Alabama case.
1: Funny, when you said it's not the end of the story, I actually thought yeah. you were talking about this.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh huh. So, when that came out, where you cannot sentence minors who are tried as adult to life sentences that the, they should get at least the possibility of parole is what I understand yes. was the Miller versus Alabama. Um, they were saying
1: that it's unlawful to send it's cruel and unusual punishment to sentence minors to life without parole. And so because they at least should get for every, yeah. For every conviction um, that, Was already in place at the time and this has affected Uh so many cases Um, Uh all of them basically have to be resentenced and in a lot of cases the sentencing actually ends up being the judge looking at everything and they're like "Um, yeah still no parole for you.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what happened Good. to Sean. A judge heard the case and just ended up resentencing him to life without the possibility of a parole. I mean, because you have to look at that, and you have to look at the fact that this kid tried to, well, escaped from prison, and then just the whole brutal crime without no real motive right. in there, too, is what's shocking. Like. You know, I think I think he just snapped. I really do, and then he did it, and then obviously, this kid has a lot of guilt, and that I mean th- that's the only thing to me that could make you go drive all the way to Long Beach to confess.
1: Yeah, I don't know, and I feel like some part of him must have kicked into like autopilot or something for him to be going to Long Beach of all places because yeah. Long Beach is not someplace you just stumble upon I mean you no. have to be going to Long Beach yeah. to get there yeah so I mean there has there has to have been something within him that like maybe he subconsciously wanted to say goodbye to his dad one more time or something like that but
0: or that girl that supposedly was his girlfriend there yeah or I mean there has to be know.
1: something but it maybe it they wasn't really innocent. It wasn't innocence.
0: Yeah. or a good milk. I don't know. Yeah, in Long Beach. Maybe. I want
1: to know if that milk was cold when they. <laughs> that is a good question. Or was it full? Was he just like chugging on it? Like well, I know I drank. I mean,
0: what other snacks were in there is what I want to know. I mean, you can't just have milk. Was there? Were we going to have a cereal party at some point? Was there some cookies somewhere coming up? I don't, I don't know.
1: know.
0: I don't know. But that is the tragic New Year's Day case of Sean Stevenson and his
1: poor Stevenson unfortunate family. family. I mean, that is yes. awful.
0: Isn't that bad? That's yeah, bad. way to start your New Year's, right?
1: Right. And you know, I mean, like, I, I mean, you may not have looked into it. What happened to the grandfather? The old man. Yeah. I did not
0: look into it. I only can assume.
1: I hope I mean, someone I else took him in.
0: I I hope someone else took him in actually, but then I'm thinking
1: I hope he made it into a home. That would actually yes. be preferable. Because knowing that James had financial troubles and yet exactly. he was still the one that the grandfather went with. Yeah. Somehow it makes me feel like James may have been the most stable one in that family. Yeah, that's what or I. Or the thinking one that too. cared the most about the father, and in yeah. that case, a home would be so much better for him in the long run. Exactly. So, I mean, I hope exactly. he. I mean, if he was that fragile, uh, he's dead now. It's that was nineteen. I, I would assume. I mean, I, I hope the rest of his life was uneventful.
0: Yeah, and I actually hope that maybe he like didn't remember any of it. I don't know. Yeah. Poor, poor old man. What a
1: bummer. Yeah.
0: Big bummer. But there you
1: go. Oh, geez. Well, thank you. Yeah.
0: Hey, you know, I'm just here to spread joy.
1: Happy New Year, everyone.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's right. Happy New Year, everybody. That's right. I hope next year is, um, better. well, you know what? One? I don't even want to say anything about next yeah, year we're because jinx it. I, I had so much hope going from 2019 to 2020 and and look at what happened there. Yeah. So We hope so, you yeah. keep listening to
1: us next year. That's, yes, that's my yes, hope please for the new do. year.
0: Yes. And share us with your friends. Like us on Instagram. Feedback, like Crystal said at the beginning, I is am something very much that we love.
1: Feedback. It's great. I appreciate Good. Good. it. Good.
0: Good. Well, all right. Well thank you very much.
1: Yep, and we will see you next next year, guys. Oh, that's right. Next year. Yeah. Another story. Yep. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.